0: long-term capital gains would be the, uh, the $100,000 that you brought in on the investment. And that would be at $90,000. So you're getting taxed on $90,000 for $200,000 of investment growth.
1: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome
2: to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today I'll
0: be speaking with John Rubino. John, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Theo. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited, honored. It's a pleasure and looking forward to talking with you and your listeners.
2: Well, thank you for joining us again. So John is a repeat guest. His episode is 1630. He was on a year and a half ago from this recording, February 2019. That episode was raising capital for completing big deals. We (laughs) talked about raising capital And this episode, being on a Sunday, is going to be a skill set Sunday, so we're going to talk about a specific skill that our guest has. Before we get into that, as a reminder, John is the founder, COO, and co-managing partner of JID Investments. He has 15 years of active and passive real estate investing experience. The JID Investment portfolio consists of over $14.5 million invested into six projects in D.C., North Carolina, South Carolina, and Atlanta. He is based in Fairfax, Virginia, and the website is JIDinvestments.com. So, John, before we dive into the skill set, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and then what you're focused on now?
0: Sure can. I've been in real estate for over 15 years now. I served in the Navy. You can see some of these cool airplanes behind me for 20 years. I retired back in 2017 and started my business in real estate back in 2013. I was a little bit of an active investor when I first started. I did some renovation properties, I did some new construction properties, and I really found my niche though. After a few years in the business, in the passive investment side, partnering with sponsors and developers that were out doing a lot of the heavy lifting and finding real quality projects on the residential commercial mixed use side. And I decided that I wanted to be in that world to passively invest, have less of the risk of the management and the operations piece, the recourse, the guarantees, and a lot of the stress that the developers deal with. I wanted to be more on the sidelines with the money and be able to help them get them over the hump with their capital stack on the equity side. So I did that for about seven years while I was still in the Navy. And when I got back to D.C. for my final tour in the Navy, I started JID Investments in 2013, together with my accountant at the time, who's now my business partner. And together, we stood the business up, and a lot of the information that I shared with Joe kind of covers it on our first episode on how we came about and how we started. But fast forward to where we are now with our business, we have about 143 investors that are accredited high net worth individuals and businesses that we go out to. And I guess you call it syndication. We syndicate projects with partnered sponsors and developers on the active side. And we bring those projects to our 143 investors of which David and I are inclusive of. And we raise money for those projects. And a lot of the projects we are investing in, like you said, Theo, DC, Maryland, Virginia, Southeast is kind of our backyard. And given what's going on with COVID and a lot of the unknowns with the economy, really happy that we've selected those markets because they've been able to see a little bit of a resiliency, more so in DC than other markets that are really struggling right now. So I think that that's really given us I guess, a knee up or just a little bit more confidence that our investments are absorbed well. And when we do see recoveries and, again, growth in the economy, we feel that we're going to be on the forefront given those markets. So we're excited. We're doing real well. We're scaling the business. We have some really cool and amazing new projects coming in. And that's what we're doing. Thank you
2: for sharing that. And sure. you're ending there with a the very cool project. We'll transition into the conversation of today. So the skill set we're going to talk about today are opportunity zones. So I'm going to let you take it away and then I'll follow up once you've said your piece.
0: Absolutely. And full disclosure to your listeners, opportunity zones are very comprehensive, large scope type investments where you definitely need to speak with the professionals in your world that handle your taxes, your broker, your business attorneys, to make sure that they are there for you to go through some of the details and some of the specific legalities and compliance, which I'm not qualified to speak of. What I will talk to you about is a little bit of what the program entails, the process of how it started and how it's become a wonderful opportunity for folks to take advantage of tax sheltering, tax benefit investment, similar to what an active investor does with a 1031 a passive investor can now utilize this as an outlet or a venue to take capital gains and roll into an investment that allows them the ability to defer, to grow, and to still be involved in real estate to see appreciation in their capital and their investment. So, back in two thousand sixteen, with the Jobs Act that came through through the Trump administration, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina and Cory Booker and a bipartisan. Legislative bill as part of the 2017-2016 Jobs Act put the Opportunity Zone plan together. There was a lot of leaders inside of that. Secretary Carson, Governor McMaster's down in South Carolina, they all came together and they put this legislation. And really what it did is it empowered the states to go out and identify certain parcels of land or pieces of land in urban, low-income, potentially affordable areas that needed regentrification and really needed a boost to get their areas growing. And what these governors did is they went out and they identified the properties and the locations, got that back to the federal government, and that became the Opportunity Zone map for the country. So what that then allowed is it opened the door to have public and private investors come in and to purchase property to take advantage of and to utilize, take advantage of, but utilize the system and the law within its jurisdiction to then have investments take place. So the way it works is a passive investor can come in and this is purely the investment side. There's a lot of intricacies from a development side deal. There's gotta be a percentage of businesses that operate within the opportunity zone for the period of time of that investment There's other details from the development side, but I really want to get into the investment side. And with the investment side, as a passive investor, you can take capital gain from the sale of a business, a stock, an investment property, take those gains, and you can invest them into an opportunity zone. And the benefit is, first, you get to defer that gain for the first six years of the investment. The total investment time on of the opportunity zone is about 10 years minimum, so over the first six years of the Opportunity Zone, you can defer that gain and not pay any taxes on the year of liquidation. So that's the first benefit. The second benefit is in year five of the investment, there's a reduction in basis of 10% on the investment to have as far as your capital gain tax on that money. So let's say you brought in 100,000 deal in year one of the investment. In year five, you get a reduction of $10,000 or 10% on the basis to now have to only pay the deferred gain in year six on the taxes at $90,000. So that's benefit number two. And then of course, benefit number three is anything you earn on an invested gain over the minimum of 10 year period is tax free. So let's say you brought in a hundred thousand dollars, you get the tax benefits that I laid out on the deferral and the basis reduction. And then let's say in year 10, when we exit or year 11, when we exit somewhere in that period, it depends on the investment opportunity. You make a 2x on your money, you make a hundred percent return, and you get a hundred thousand dollar profit from your hundred thousand dollar investment. That hundred thousand dollar profit is tax-free. So, in the encompassing investment of the hundred thousand that you brought in and the hundred thousand dollars that you earned, the only taxes you're paying on long-term capital gains would be the hundred thousand that you brought in on the investment, and that would be at ninety thousand. So you're getting taxed on ninety thousand for $200,000 of investment growth. So hopefully that gives a little bit of insight into the program. And there's a lot of folks that are doing it right now. There's groups throughout the country. We are actually getting ready to invest on our first 506C offering here in Washington, D.C. with a sponsor that we've done a deal with before and very excited. It's in a wonderful location. And we'll have the opportunity to participate in their second Opportunity Zone fund. This will be our first Opportunity Zone investment. A little bit different from what we usually do, Theo, we usually raise money on a project-by-project basis for one specific opportunity or project. This will actually have anywhere from two to four properties or projects, which in the Opportunity Zone world, they call it a Qualified Opportunity Zone Businesses or QASBs. Qualified opportunities on businesses are the actual properties we're going to be investing in on this opportunity. So there's anywhere from two to four. So it's like two to four projects in one that we'll be investing in. So it's really exciting. It, it opens so many doors to the potential of utilizing investment capital for a different type of investment. And I think most of all is that it obviously brings Growth and regentrification into areas that need it the most.
2: For the passive investor side, is there still the income tax paid on annual distributions or is that no, tax free too?
0: No. This investment, when you come in, it's a deferral investment. So you're not getting paid your money back until the end of the investment. The monies that you bring into the investment can only be a gain. It can't be income. It can't be distributions from, let's say, a multifamily cash flowing asset. It's got to be gains. So if you sell an investment property, if you sell stock in Apple, if you sell a portion of your business and you have a realized gain, that gain, that profit is what you can bring in. And then, so, I,
2: so I can't go to my bank account and just say, hey, I've got, okay, okay.
0: No, you can't. And it's the same window for timeline that it is for the 1031. It's six months from the time you liquidate to the time you identify the investment in the opportunity zone. And then you actually invest in the Qualified Opportunity Zone Fund or QOF, which is what we'll have. And that's your timeline. Now, with COVID, the federal government, the IRS has relaxed some of those time constraints. So, I'd have to go back, but I believe as early as November of 19, all the way through December of 2020, you'll have the opportunity to bring in gains into an Opportunity Zone fund, whether it's with us or any other type of investment that's out there for OZs.
2: So, as a passive investor, I sell stocks, a property, I put my $100,000 into the Opportunity Zone, and I won't see any cash flow. I'll just get money at the end once it's.
0: It, once it depends on the investment. So our investment actually gets some cash flow because we're starting at land development to development of the property to construct to pre-stabilize to full stabilize to tenant move in to cash flow and distribution. So the is gonna be paying out some cash flow to us somewhere at the midpoint of the investment with the intention of that cash flow being utilized to pay the deferred gain on the invested capital. So you bring in the hundred thousand. You're going to get a tax bill in year six on the 90000 Remember, you get that 10% reduction in basis. The cash flow that we're going to generate in our specific property that we're going to pay out to our investors will help with some of the burden of the tax you'll have to pay on the 90000 And that will be also part of your waterfall and your profits from the investment post-10 years. So since it's going to be used to pay some of those gains, there's ways to do it legally that... You can pay the cash flow and still keep it as part of the end closeout for the project post ten years. Does that make sense? Can you explain that last part again? Yes. Yeah. So traditionally, if you bring in the investment at a hundred thousand, you have to pay your taxes in year six, and you're not going to get any cash flow out until the property finishes in year ten. You close out whether there's a recapitalization or a sale of the property or the project. You're going to get your investment money back and you're going to get your profits back as considered long-term capital gains. Depending how it's structured, and and our specific OZ will be structured this way, the developer or the investor that's running the project may be able to pay some point inside of that timeline, the zero to the 10-year mark, cash flow and capture it as part of the profits when we close out on the back end of the project with the intention of the cash flow being utilized to pay your deferred gains taxes on the original investment.
2: So would that cash flow be taxes income is my question.
0: No, it's a good question. It won't be income. I know it's not income because you're not earning that inside of the one year period. You're earning that throughout the period of the investment, which is over one year. That's a good question. And, And I'm going to take a note on that, but the way I understand it is it's not taxes income and you wouldn't have to pay the taxes on it when it's distributed. It would be paid, when, like, the final, like later, yes, when the final yes, when the final closeout is. But again, talk to your tax professional. But that's a good question. I'm going to follow up on that. Thanks so for asking
2: it. So you said that the OZ is a minimum of ten years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: At ten years, they sell or finance. This is what always happens. Or will I not see my profits for maybe five years after that, or a year after?
0: No, that? it's really predicated on a ten-year period minimum, and then depending your specific opportunity. There may be a a six or 12 month extension that the developer has available that may take it out to 11 year or 11 and a half or 12 year, but it's not a 10 year investment and the developer keeps it for 40 years. Now, that's all in the legal docs and your subscription agreements. So make sure as an investor, you read that. And that's a good question. There's usually an extension period post 10 years, but that again is just there for if it's needed. I guess they can't
2: sell it or something?
0: Well, if they can't sell it, or it may be better that the market's in a period of growth and there's a potential to grow more, or there could be some debt on there that goes out to a longer period that they may need. It, it just depends on the investment.
2: What would be the return metric that's used for these? Is it IRR? Is it equity
0: multiple? We typically go out with an ROI, which is a flat-out rate, interest-only, no accrual. We do answer that question. It's usually, when we see these on the opportunity zones, it's usually an IRR that could be accrued, so 7 8% potentially. So that gets you maybe a, a 12% or 12.5% return on investment. It just depends on how much you bring in, what the period is. But it's usually treated as an IRR with an equity multiple that's disclosed. And we like to compute it, again, straight return on investment. And we clarify that with the developer. The other thing too is we'll also show what the pre-tax return is, which is very important because if you're a resident of California and I'm a resident of Virginia and we have an investor and she's a resident of Florida, your capital gain structure may be different at a state level. So you're usually paying 15% federal, but California may pay, I don't know, 12% and Florida may pay 2%. So you want to show that as well in your metrics. The other thing you need to think about too is depreciation because a lot of these investments have depreciation. Once these investments start stabilizing and start having cash flow revenue, there's going to be the potential of depreciation and the potential for double depreciation. Where you get to write off the depreciation, and as an investor, there's no write-off to have to take that on as a burden on the back end. And that's the specific design of a specific OZ. It just okay. depends. Yeah.
2: What types of properties are these usually? Are they retail? Are they industrial? Are they multifamily?
0: Again, it just depends. There needs to be a level of business that operates within the opportunity zone. Again, I don't have the specific percentage and how long, but I believe it's 90%. Your listeners can verify that, but there needs to be an element of business that stays within the opportunity zone for the duration. And that percentage has to be that number while it's still going through the full 10 year period. But if these usually start out land development with a development piece to build And then there's a construction piece. There's a whole period. And it could be mixed use. It could be part of a larger grouping of properties that are commercial mixed use and residential. It just depends on that specific opportunity.
2: From a passive investor standpoint, what are some things that they need to know when they're looking to invest in Opportunity Zone compared to your typical apartment syndication deal? That do not the main differences, but what are the important factors they need to look at and understand to properly analyze an opportunity zone deal?
0: I think, first and foremost, they need to understand the implications from a tax perspective to see what makes sense. The nice part about an opportunity zone is that different from a 1031 is... 1031, you got to bring everything back in to the next property, right? With an opportunity zone, you could bring in 1% of the gain that you earned or 100%. Whatever you bring in gets treated with the opportunity zone process or the strategies. Whatever you don't bring in, you're just going to pay long-term capital gains on that for that tax year, right? So I would say it's important for someone to sit down and talk with their CPA, talk with their financial advisor to say, look, I got a $2 million gain because I sold X amount of shares of Apple. And I'm thinking about putting it into an opportunity zone. How does that impact me from a tax perspective? How does that impact me from a risk perspective? Because this is a riskier investment, right? And you have to take into consideration your risk versus your return. So I would say that to me, the taxes is really a big thing. And also you may have Older investors that may not like the timeline, right? 10 years, 11 years, if you have an older investor, but it could be a way to have as a part of your estate to pass down to your children or your grandchildren, right? Which is also another benefit. But it's definitely a lot more intuitive and the scope of it is a lot more complex. That's why it's a 506C. And you gotta be able to get your arms around it and understand it. And we do our part explaining things, but it's definitely important to go out and and look at the legislation and look at the information that's out there on it so you understand it better.
2: Perfect. So is there anything else that you want to mention as it relates to Opportunity Zones or anything else?
0: Yeah, um, we'll have more information about our specific opportunity here in the next two to three weeks. Our website will have a page dedicated to it. Again, I'm not a legal expert on it or compliance, but I'm happy to answer any questions that your listeners may have and try to point them in the right direction if I don't have those answers. So thanks for the opportunity to share that.
2: Well, absolutely. And then he's a two to three weeks from today. So we're recording this in middle of August. So if you're listening to this in September and after, until you said, what, December of
0: 2021? Yeah, we're looking at keeping our opportunities of investment out to as long as December of 2021. The nice thing about ours is that the level of investment is a lot lower in a threshold. Typically on these investments, the minimum can be anywhere from 100,000 to a million. We're looking at setting ours at around 20,000. So you can come in at $20,000 with a gain and be able to invest on a potential $10 million overall investment, which is what we're trying to raise inside of the $150 million fund that the sponsor has, which is very attractive to folks and it gives them some flexibility and leverage. One other thing I'll say about it is obviously we have presidential election coming up. So there is some information that's being disseminated about what the implications would be pending which administration comes in. So you definitely want to read about that. Do I think that the program is going to be eliminated? From what I've read, no. It won't be eliminated regardless of who the next president is going to be. But what I'm reading is that there could be some changes made to it. So definitely want to understand that, read that, and be able to comprehend that before jumping into one, especially as we're getting closer to the election. That's a good point, John. Well, thanks again
2: for joining us and going through Opportunity Zones. I've actually heard of these before because I've looked through OMs and seen terminology, but definitely learned a lot and definitely learned the advantages of the Opportunity Zone, the benefits from the perspective of the past investor. And that was from the taxes you went over that you're able to defer taxes for the first six years. There's a 10% reduction in basis after year five. So anything earned is tax-free.
0: That's correct. Uh, after, the, the period, after the
2: 10-year yeah. minimum. And then it's kind of similar to the 1031 exchange for passive investors. And then when you're looking at these types of deals, you said talk to your CPA, your tax guy, for how it will benefit you and what potential risks there are. You mentioned that it's 6 c so it's a pretty complicated, sophisticated investment, so you need to be accredited. And then kind of pay attention to the various pieces of legislation regarding the opportunity zone. So John, I appreciate you coming on. Make sure you check it out. His website is JIDinvestments.com. And then as he mentioned in the intro, you can learn more about the beginning of his business. That is episode 1630. So appreciate it, John.
0: Best My of pleasure. Listening. Thanks, Theo. Great talking with you and your listeners. My best to Joe. And thanks again. Absolutely. And the best ever
2: listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Do you buy property worth over a million dollars and are you missing huge income tax benefits? Cost segregation is one of the methods I use myself to lower taxes on our properties and increase the cash flow. Call Yona Wise with Madison Specs at 732-333-1477.